The following program, Living Out Loud, is sponsored by Morton Group, LLC, and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of Newsweb Radio Company or its management. Hello, hello. Happy Sunday. This is Mary Morton, and you're listening to Living Out Loud, and I am here today with a very special co-host. I'm excited to welcome Julio Rodriguez to the show. Hello, Mary. I'm excited to be here. Oh, my goodness. And let me just say, for those of you who, who cannot see him, and we are streaming live on the WCPT uh, Facebook page, he looks fabulous. You know, I love the color coordination. Okay? The, the, <laughs> Fabulous glasses, because, of course, I love lots of glasses. We have that in common. Yes. Uh, and this incredible uh, sweater. Even folks walking down the hallway have commented on what he has on. Okay? That's how fabulous it is. But welcome to the show. Thank Happy you. to have you here. Yes. Um, you know, what we like to do, Julio, when we get started, is to talk a little bit about how, we, how we've met each other, how we met each other. And, it, and as we talked earlier in the week, it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> It has been a long time, actually. It's um, been a long time. And I'm actually very proud of the fact that it's been a long time because, you know, I, I came out during the period of the AIDS epidemic. And so I always take stock in the fact that, you know, I'm about to turn 65 next year. And the fact that I've, I've actually made it that far um, is really something that I have a lot. You know, this is Thanksgiving. Yes. So when you think about gratitude yes. and what you're grateful for. I'm grateful for the fact that I'm still here. Yes. I'm grateful that, you know, the friends that have made that journey with me are still here. So, so yeah. So, oh, my goodness. Um, yes. That's very... <laughs> I, know. I know. I didn't mean to get deep. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I just... No, but it's true. I mean, we referred to uh, Thanksgiving um, as Thankful Thursday, uh-huh. right? All the things that we really want to express gratitude about. Um, and to your point... There are many friends. My brother died from uh, AIDS, yeah. right? And there are many, many friends and folks who are no longer here. So yeah. we do have a lot to be thankful for. And um, we met, actually, as we, I think we figured out, in the early 90s. Yes. The yeah. early 90s. Yeah. Uh what were you doing around that time? So I had actually just started an organization in 1989 called the Association of Latin Men for Action, which is now the Association of Latinos, Latinas, Latinx Motivating Action. And the idea really was um, that Chicago really had no group that was really speaking to the needs of the Latinx uh, community in particular. And what we really decided to do was to be very intentional about not doing what everybody else was doing, which was doing the primary sort of HIV AIDS work. Mm -hmm. We decided we really need to focus on the visibility of our community and the fact that one of the reasons or an underlining cause for HIV, especially among Latino gay men, was being ashamed, mm-hmm. being closeted, the culture not yes. being accepting. Right. So Alma's early years were really about building a foundation around visibility, building of the strength of our culture, and that intersectionality between being Latino and being gay, and the importance of integrating those two aspects of yourself and being proud of it. Right, right. Wonderful. Well, we're going to talk a lot about Alma uh, today. I want to just mention now that uh, coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll we'll have an opportunity to talk with Dulce um, Quintero, who is the new... Uh, newly appointed secretary of the Illinois Department of Human Services. It's a huge deal. Um, in, in addition to just being talented and qualified and experienced, uh, Dulce is the first non-binary person to exactly. be appointed to a state level role of this nature. And so we'll have a chance to talk to them shortly, but let's go back and talk about, um, when we met, uh, there was also a group that I was involved with, Chicago Black Lesbians and Gays, right? Yep. And then there was a national Latinx group, yes. Yego. Yep. So uh, Yego was actually formed in the sort of mid-'80s. Um, it was actually part of the March on Washington. And we had just actually started to form, and it was the first time groups from all over the country descended on Washington, D.C., and what came out of that whole event was this need for a national voice. Mm -hmm. And so Yego really started as sort of the building block to trying to um, 
create this sort of national voice around uh, Latinx issues and really, unfortunately, like many organizations mm-hmm. in the late 80s right. and 90s, um, the only funding that was available was money tied to HIV. And I think that really hindered a lot of particular organizations of color mm-hmm. or women's groups. Right. Because there wasn't a steady flow of funding to help to support the initial work, especially around advocacy. Absolutely. You know, and unfortunately, um, the end result was that Yego went away because they just could never attract, you know, additional funding to really support their efforts. Right. Um, well, but there's groups like Alma and there's yeah. other groups that have, uh, you know, certainly come to the fore in, in, in those uh, years since that time. How did you, well, well, first of all, where were you born? And tell us a little bit, just, just a little, little bit about your, your okay. early, early days in Chicago. <laughs> so I was actually, uh, I call it um, the BBT before Boys Town. Oh, okay. I was actually uh, <laughs> okay, born. I've not heard that one. Okay. <laughs> I mm-hmm. was actually born in Lakeview. Actually, I was born right around Newport and Halston. Oh, really? So I wow. was right You were there. right in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And most people don't know because I don't think it's really... Um, it's really uh, talked enough about as how the Puerto Rican community really dominated places like Lakeview and Lincoln Park. And then really because of gentrification and oh, a yes. very intentional um, and deliberate way that the politics of the time really moved a whole community. But like my father always says, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, Junior, Lakeview is just like you. It went from Puerto Rican to gay. And I go, no, Dad. <laughs> I kind of kept <laughs> That's both very of those. Funny. And so, you know, but I think it is sort of this sense that people around community always think that somehow you're just uplifted here in Chicago, and that's a really sad thing. But, you know, I pretty much uh, was born and raised in Lakeview and have lived pretty much on the north side of Chicago. I live in Edgewater now. Mm-hmm. Um, my, right across from where Morton Group <laughs> works. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Uh, and actually, um, most of my work has centered around the places I grew up. Uh, I was a youth worker, ran an employment program. With the high school that I actually graduated from, wow. which was Sen High School. Oh, yes. Which is right yes, where me and Mary yes, <laughs> live yes, now. So yes. that was very exciting. And, and it's funny because my first job I had at 14, and that has really had an imprint in my life. Um, right now, I'm the director, deputy director of the Office of Employment and Training uh, at the Department of Commerce. And so I oversee workforce programs. For I'm so happy states. you said that title because I wasn't going to be able to get it completely out. It's, it's right. quite a title. It yes. is quite a title. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things, and I think this is very true, particularly for um, young people who've experienced any kind of trauma and without going into a whole lot about my own life, but um, I was homeless at one point and I remember if it had not been that I had a job and I had built a social network as a result of it I don't know where I would have been but I have always believed that um, economic stability and opportunity can change the trajectory for any individual. Of someone's life. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And that I think is a really great point to make and we know that so not so many but there are a number of Issues, challenges that we're facing, certainly around violence in the mm-hmm. city, that we know is, of course, directly tied to economics, yeah. right? Yeah. And and people needing an education, people needing access to employment. Yeah, it really comes down to that. Yeah, and you know, and one of the core things that, um, and it's really the difference between a job and a career. I always say mm. a job is a means to an end. A career is an opportunity to find out who you are and how you can contribute to life. Um, and so one of the things that's always been, you know, I'm actually doing the job that I had wished I would be doing when I was in my teens. Wow. The idea that I could formulate an environment by which young people could grow and make decisions. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing, you know. And sometimes I forget that because wow. people think of me as a bureaucrat. But I think to myself... But I set policy that sets the direction for how programs will help raise and and build the quality of life for young people that they can self-drive. There is so much good happening in 
in government, and yeah. I think people forget that. Yes, yes, it is government. Yes, it can be bureaucratic. Uh, but right now, certainly between the city and the state, we have the most progressive administrations we'll ever have, right? Yes. So let's try to get as much done as we can. Um, we just got to keep things moving. And speaking of that, we're going to uh, take a short break. Um, I, I just had no idea we were going to get to that kind of conversation so quickly, but I'm excited that we did. Um, you're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're going to be right back. Mary Morton with Living Out Loud. And here's a little bit about Morton Group, the sponsor of my show. Morton Group is a national consulting firm working with nonprofits, foundations, for-profits, and government entities. Our work helps organizations expand and deepen their impact by working on equity initiatives and executive placements, among other areas of focus. Reach out to us at info at mortongroup.com with any questions. And don't forget to listen in on Sundays at 1 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. And we are back. You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and I'm here with my incredible co-host, Julio Rodriguez. And we've already had all kinds of conversations about how we can make a difference. That's right? Yes, absolutely. That's right. So we're going to move into what we we talk about in terms of some some, um, news topics. Uh, What's the 411? And we're starting out with something that's really important to me. (laughs) And this gives you some sense of what what I think is important. This week, the Beyonce film opens, Renaissance. Yeah. Did you go to the concert? No. <laughs> yeah. Why, 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 do you, why do you look like that? Is that like total, totally not even happening? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I work for government. Yes. And, uh, and the salaries are not Oh, quite. come on, Julio. <laughs> okay. You could have gone if you really wanted to. Okay. I, I believe that you could have gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did I'm, not I'm go. I'm saving my pennies for Bad Bunny. Just oh, so, okay. Bad Bunny. Okay. <laughs> I, I hear you. I yeah, hear you. Yeah. All right. Bad Bunny. That was uh, actually a repeat last night on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like Bad Bunny. Um. Well, we've seen, uh, Willa and I have seen, uh, Beyonce a couple times in concert. And the last time we went to a concert was, uh, Lemonade, uh, oh. which was at Soldier's Field. And it rained, uh, for about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. And you know what? No one left. We all just mm-hmm. tried to take cover. And, uh, she came out and did an extraordinary, uh, show. And so, you know, when it came time for, you know, the concert this time, and I thought, mm, do I really want to go? There, there was only so much I was willing to pay for the tickets, uh, I have to say. Yeah. And I know folks who flew to see her in different <laughs> yeah. cities, yeah. stayed in a hotel. I mean, spent easily $2,500. Yeah. I'm just not. Is there anyone you would you would uh, pay, I don't know, $500 or more to see? Huh. Mm. <laughs> and we <laughs> go silent. silent. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I, I just have been reading, and you know, I brought Bad Bunny up because I've been reading a lot about him, and he's Puerto Rican yes. like I am, mm-hmm. and and just one of the things that kind of sort of a theme that keeps sort of writing about his career one how young he is, right? But more importantly, how much he has been a collaborator, but never forgetting the people. Yeah. Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And so everything he does is about recognizing who he is and the contributions of our community into the global world. And for a very small island, I don't think people realize just how much Puerto Rico has really contributed to society in terms of entertainment, Absolutely. politics. and but No, most people don't even realize Puerto Rico as part of the United, United States. States. So let's yes. start there. Yeah. Well, and, and we should really yeah. call it what it is. It's a colony. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. co- the Commonwealth of, West, of Virginia is a very different place from the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Yes. And so yes. I think the fact that it continues to sit in this sort of 
ambiguity mm-hmm. and that, you know, and that there's always a threat that we could lose our sort of citizenship, if you will. Right. Um, but, you know, and I, I often say that African-Americans and Puerto Ricans share a similar history of never knowing where your land is mm. and whether you True. really belong. You mm-hmm. know, and I think True. I think we don't talk enough about that sort of. Uh, lived experience that both communities have mm-hmm. and that we should really, really think about how do we change that going forward. And I've, I really admire a lot of African-American folks now who have called for reparations, who are really thinking about, you know, what did we contribute to this country? And I would say the same thing is for Puerto Ricans who, you know, some of the first genocide was in the Caribbean, when you think about when the right. Spanish landed. Well, and, and we also, you know, just having celebrated uh, uh, Thanksgiving and this being Native American yes. Heritage Month, you know, yes. similar stories. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, right? Yes. Um, yet I'm, I'm going to circle back to that question I asked you <laughs> about the concert. Yes. Yeah, so, so was it is Bad, it Bad Bunny? Bunny? Would you one. would spend $500? I would spend $500 to see Bad Bunny. Now, every friend of mine is going to call me and say, hey, <laughs> would you do that for two? Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I do think one of the things that we have to do is support folks who are giving back like Beyonce. Right. Right. right? Exactly. Because she, you know... Um, for a number of businesses, I think on both the south and west side, um, gave ten thousand yes. dollars, right, to those businesses. So not just coming into a, a community or a city and saying, "Yes, come to my concert yes. and spend exactly. hundreds of dollars, if not thousands." But how can I leave something in these various communities? Yeah, and I think it's really important, especially that they support small businesses. Absolutely, and it's Small Business Weekend. That's <laughs> yes. right. That's and right. So you know, from a workforce side, is when you support a small business. You support a community that's going to take folks from that community and give them opportunities. That's right. Oftentimes, people look at those large companies and think, oh, I want to contribute to that. And I would say to you, contribute to the small company Absolutely. and to that small mom-pop businesses. That's right. I'm so sad. And every time I hear about a restaurant that was around for 40 years that now can't make it. That's right. That, you know, we talked about that last week with Ina Pinkney, oh, yes, you know, because uh, yes. she was lifting up some restaurants that people may not have been aware of. And they were the smaller restaurants, to your yes, point. What, yes. Those are the ones that really need our support. I mean, every, yes, restaurants overall, but for those small ones that are independently owned. Mm, yes. Yeah. 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 And especially those in communities that, you know, they're taking a risk by being there. That's right. They've made a commitment to say. I'm going to change the narrative. That's right. I'm going to take, and it's it's not even just about a risk. It's about saying I want to be a fabric of the rebuilding of this community, and that's where our that's where every dollar should go, is really spending that. And you know, I grew up where all the vendors in my neighborhood in Lakeview. We would like know their names, right? Like they right. sometimes they would tell on me, which was <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that and that was the, at the time when you knew that you were being watched, right? It didn't have yes. to be by parents, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. No, and quite frankly, people knew where you needed to be at a certain time. Like people would say, "Oh, your mom's going to start looking for you, Julio. Your mm-hmm, ass better get mm-hmm, back." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'd be like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to be back before the streetlights come on." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well. Speaking of, of things going on in the city and, um, you know, something that we are confronting on a regular basis um, and trying to really figure out a solution is around the migrant uh, situation and the housing of folks, um, you know, during the right around Halloween, um, we didn't have as many folks as we usually do. And so uh, Willa and another friend took the extra candy, which is all bagged up individually, over to uh, the 20th District Police Station. And, you know, it's one thing to walk by and see folks outside, which even that was a little jarring to me. However, when they went in, it's just wall-to-wall people Mm -hmm. and lots of young children, lots of young children. And so... What what do you know in terms of what's happening to move folks? I know there's a movement, really, to get folks out of the police stations and to get them into some other temporary housing. And I know the governor has um, allocated additional dollars. What what can you tell us about that? Yeah, actually, 
you know, and I'm I'm very proud of the fact that the governor and the mayor and and the county, really all f- all three you know bodies of government have really come together. We sort of have two work streams. One is just around making sure people's application for the t- uh, temporary you know status so that they don't get deported. That that's happening. You know, there's legal clinics. There's ways that you know, and we're going to hear probably from Duce about what the Department of Human Services is trying to do and leading that effort with the city. And then on the workforce side, as people get authorized to work, we're starting to, you know, do a lot of pre-employment sort of things, getting them ready so then when the opportunity comes and they can go to work, we've already identified employers, we've already understand where their gaps are in terms of either education or language, but we're putting those resources. You know, the governor announced another, I think, $160 million on the part of the state, you know, both for housing assistance and um, for basic human services, but also for employment supports. Mm -hmm. You know, I think childcare is still, you know, as you said, Mary, when you go into these shelters or the police stations, you just see, and I'm not talking about mostly teenage kids. I'm talking young children. Yes. Everything from infants. That's right. To, you know, toddlers. That's right. And even if a family wants to go to work, unless we address those core issues of both, you know, housing, child care, and even transportation, I think people forget that a lot of jobs don't necessarily aren't going to be right where the migrant shelters are going to be. That's right. And, yeah. and how do you make sure people understand how to navigate the city? I yes. think sometimes we may forget that these folks are coming from a different country, not just from another state, yes. from a different country that they're trying to get acclimated to. And now we're, you know, we're going to try to move them toward employment. And to your point, um, without any preparation, right, Um, without any opportunities, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be successful. Yeah. And I think that's what I think is is really um, a testament to the leadership of both the mayor and the governor and to the president is everybody's thinking proactively. And it may not seem that way, but I think... You know, it's sort of like you're always trying to do prevention even when you're in the middle of the crisis. That's right. You know, and I think sometimes the prevention piece is not what you're seeing because it's not as sexy or is not as uh, it's not a top of mind, you know, in terms of the crisis. But I think it's what we're doing now to lay that infrastructure that is going to really make the difference long term because. This is not going to be an issue that is going to go away. No, it's not. We don't know what the impact of the war in the Middle East is going to be. We don't know if that we're going to see Palestinians now coming mm. as a result of the Gaza. I hadn't really thought about that, but no, Gaza. it's true. The West Bank, we still don't know what's going to happen there. And, you know, and still with the Ukraine and, and other countries that Russia is now pivoting towards. Um, so I think... And, you know, we haven't even talked about climate change, but the migration patterns and what's going to happen. That's um, a really good point. You Mm -hmm. know, and in fact, we're not even in this country prepared to think about what happens as more and more disasters happen in parts of this country where places like Chicago now become the place to go to. Right. Because we are centrally located. Right. Fairly easy to yeah. get to. Yeah. Yeah. And we have an infrastructure of roads, you know, yes. air, everything. That's right. That's right. Um, so I think I think we're going to learn a lot through this process. But I also am encouraged by the fact that um, when you have progressive thinkers and when you have people who are also utilizing community, the one thing that I think is most important is we're not trying to do – government is not trying to do this alone. We're working with a network of community-based organizations who have experience and history working with populations from other places. And I think that's a really important point to make. I think um, that that information about the community partnerships has not been lifted up enough so that all we see, right, because on, on the 10 o'clock news, which I think people don't you know, sometimes understand that you're nev- never going to get a depthful story on the 10 o'clock news because the average length of any story on the 10 o'clock news is a minute and 20 seconds. Yes. You're not going to get a lot of the details. You're going to get the headlines, right? It's sensationalized. And so these are really important pieces uh, that need to go into the, the, the communications around what's happening with migrant folks, right? Yeah. And so um, there's a lot of work going on. There's a lot of work to come. Um you know, we've got the DNC coming, yep. something else to keep in mind. And, of course, this is going to be used 
against us. Yes. Um, and so I appreciate all the, the efforts going into uh, really trying to make it livable yeah. for folks, right? And if, and if I can make one other point, mm-hmm. and especially because I think this is tied to the LGBTQ specific sort of issues is these are the kinds of crises where we become invisible again, mm. where people forget that those migrants coming in, a percentage of them are going to be trans people, are going to be non-binary people, are going to be gay, lesbian, and they're terrified. Oh, yes. You know, absolutely. Um, we've already seen issues of bullying. We've heard, you know, exploitation, in particular of trans right. women. Mm-hmm. And so this is where organizations like Alma's and others, we really have to step into the space and say, wait a minute. There needs to be education here. That's right. We can provide some workshops, some training, some opportunities for people to understand the culture, right, of the communities they're working with. Right. All right. More to come. Um, You're listening to Living Out Loud. I'm here uh, with Julio Rodriguez, and we are going to be back in just a moment with Dulce Quintero. Excited. listening to Living Out Loud. I'm here with Julio Rodriguez having just some extraordinary conversations about uh, the state of the city. And we are excited now, though, to talk about the state of the Illinois. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, And we're excited to welcome uh, the new secretary of the Illinois Department of Human Services, Dulce Quintero. Dulce, welcome to Living Out Loud. Hello, hi, uh, Mario and I mean Mary and Julio. Well, good afternoon. It's like what one thirty, and I am just so honored to be here, Mary and Julio. I look up to you in so many ways, and it's such a privilege that you have me here today with you. Well, we are privileged and honored uh, and so excited to congratulate you. I haven't had a chance to say this to you, but congratulations on on your new appointment. Um, why don't you start by telling us just a little bit about your, your trajectory? Because as you may know, Dulce, we met when you were at Erie Family Health Center. And I thought we were going to have a chance to work together. <laughs> but you went on to some bigger things and you went to the state. Tell us how what your trajectory has been at the state of Illinois. Yes, um, Mary, thank you for that. And yes, absolutely. I think a lot of the work, um, just a little background of me, uh, you know, so before even the state, a lot of my roots have been through community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I am someone who migrated from Mexico to the U.S at age nine, and I was a street vendor, so a lot of my work and background has been through doing a lot of, you know, I come from very humble beginnings, uh, and so a lot of my work um, has been to really work with predominantly Latinx, uh, you know, brown and black communities. Um, That is really where my passion around advocacy uh, and also resilience and my commitment to be a public servant has been part of my journey in life. Um, and so I had the opportunity uh, in 2019, I was appointed to be the Assistant Secretary for Operations at Illinois Department of Human Services and work alongside by uh, Grace Ho, who has been a great mentor of mine and now is our Deputy Governor. Um, and so from there, I was at DHS since 2019 and now recently been appointed to be the Secretary for IDHS, which is such a great privilege. Do you say? Bienvenidos, mi amor. 
Hola, Julio. <laughs> I think it would really be good for people to also hear about some of the stuff that you did around, like, um, some of your organizing work, because I think you use that same mm-hmm. skill set in your new position mm-hmm. at the uh, at the Department of Human Services. Like, what you did about bringing the Dyke March into Little mm-hmm. Village, I think that would be great in Pilsen. Yeah. yeah. No, thanks, Julio. You always have a way to ground me. Um, and this is one of the things that I always share with people is that it's really important that we look to our mentors and also for all the people that have paved the way to for, for some of us to be in these type of positions. So I'm very grateful uh, to you, Julio, as you've been my mentor and coach and so much of my professional trajectory, but also community. Um, and then, Mary, I know you do a lot of that for many of us and many of my chosen family. And I think it's really important that we continue to build that because um, we have to continue to break a lot of barriers, uh, you know, and I know that you have been fighting the fight for many, many years, and we got to continue that. So a lot of my energy really stems from, like, community activism and organizing. Um, you know, when I moved to Chicago many years ago, um, I started getting involved with Chicago Dyke March, and I had the opportunity to really learn from Chicago, like, like organizers, um, and, and what it meant to have Chicago Dyke March be part of different parts of Chicago because we are everywhere and not just in one community. And they really took a lot of, uh, you know, forums and, commu- and, and, and really building within communities uh, and also teaching. And, also, and we had to also understand and, and learn from communities and, and community listening sessions and forums to learn from that, you know, LGBT or TGNB or gender diverse looks different uh, and for, you know, uh, communities of color, black and brown. Um, so there was a lot that we had to kind of do to also build that and have people from those communities to be part of like that kind of change and move, but also organizing. So you brought all so that, that really oh, drives. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, you so brought all drives, that experience, yeah. don't say, to your current position. And, and yes, can you tell very, folks? Yeah. Can you tell folks what does the secretary of the Illinois Department of Human Services do? Because I think for many folks that that is something that they're just not familiar with. Yeah. So um, at DHS is uh, one of the largest state agencies of Illinois, and uh, what does that even mean, right? So uh, DHS, we house. Many of the services uh, for, you know, Illinois, and that can, I think many people are familiar with like SNAP benefits, uh, you know, so if people go to the local offices, you know, we also have a substance use prevention and recovery division, developmental disabilities, rehabilitation services, family and community services, early childhood, mental health. And then we also house the Office to Prevent and End Homelessness and then the Office of Firearm Violence Prevention, which is obviously a lot. We have about over 14,000 employees, over $14 billion budget. Um, and so really my responsibility at IDHS as a secretary is to really work alongside many leaders across DHS and also our legislators, the governor, the governor's office, and community providers and to serve our customer uh, residents and patients. So it's really to have the, the, the responsibility to oversee all of this. But I think the piece that I really want to emphasize, Mary, is that I also br- I'm also bringing uh, that leadership maybe looks a little bit different. I think people are used to that people lead, lead from a higher goal perspective. Um, I really like to lead from a place that other people that are part of the work and movement and this type of public service also are seen. Um, and so there, there is one secretary, but we all know that it takes all of us, either through advocacy, through changing legislation, advocating for legislation and budget. Like it takes everyone, uh, and, you know, who to, to do this, this type of work at the state level. So although the 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 the, sec- the secretary is a role that is responsible for this large agency. Um, the way I like to lead is that we're uh, bringing in and listening, being connected to the ground to listen what what is it that the community the community is asking or needing, and also what are some of the uh, best practices that providers are also 
kind of advocating. Uh, and then also a lot of our legislators that we get to hear directly from the constituents. Wonderful. <clears throat> that's that's a huge charge. Uh, and to add to that, you've also really uh, broken ground, if you will, again, being a trailblazer in terms of your appointment being the first time a non-binary person has been appointed to this role. And what has that meant to you? So that is, um, Mary Julio, you know this better than anyone, that to recognize gender at the state level is, is, is just huge. And this is for our transgender people, for our gender non-binary or gender diverse people. Um, and to be able for me as the secretary of DHS, to say and to be recognized at the state level as a person that is non-binary or gender diverse is key because part of that is also really creating the the visibility because if at the state level we're able to recognize that, we know that we are losing, especially our transgender, uh, you know, black women who are still you know, being murdered. And unfortunately, we have a lot more to do. So we have an epidemic to change state legislation and laws to make sure that people are being protected, that are transgender and gender diverse. So I think for me, it is also an opportunity to continue to advocate and 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 be uh, you know part of my my commitment in life. Really, Mary Julio is to and you know is to really be a voice and also fight for like the most marginalized communities, which means poor people, black and brown people, and LGBT, transgender, and then gender diverse or non-binary, because I think a lot of times, you know, we, we don't bring enough light to that. So I think really utilizing the opportunity that there is a state obligation here to be, uh, you know, affirming uh, and to also work to uh, decrease the level of prejudice and mm-hmm. the acts of violence and discrimination yeah. that continue to occur. That's right. In, you know, in our, in our society. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Dursa, this is Julio. Um, I think one of the questions I have is, you know, as somebody who's now in this position, You know, I think a lot of folks forget that the state workforce is a reflection of the state as a whole. What do you think Mm -hmm. your job will be in trying to relift the voices of state workers who are oftentimes afraid to be their full selves in the, you know, in the positions that Mm -hmm. they have? Um, Because I I really think, you know, when I was the first Latino gay man and I was openly out, people would like... People are just like, I can't believe you're doing this and you're just going to the small towns and being you, mm-hmm. but a power of, you know, being visible. So if, if you can just talk a little bit about what you hope to do in your new role, particularly for lifting the voices of state workers who sometimes are very closeted for fear of retribution. Yeah, um, so that, you know, I, I will say that since I've been at DHS, I'm very out. I'm a very out queer person, um, and so that has been a lot of the questions around. Uh, you know, uh, you you feel like you can be out, or do you feel safe being out? Are you afraid of losing your job? The fact that those are the questions we're getting that means we have a responsibility because people do not feel protected in their work, mm-hmm. and so I think there is a lot of you know, uh, stigma and prejudice. And also we have to work on creating, like, what are some of those policies that we need to, uh, and training, because I think a lot of times uh, there's still a lot of questions around, like, uh, you know, mixing even what is gender non-binary or like what is ne- like what is transgender and also what is sexual orientation. So I I think a lot of times when we build those relationships across, like when I'm visiting some of our local offices and I hear a parent that has been working for state government and says, I have a daughter that is transgender and I haven't been able to share that with my coworker. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I think people now when they see someone that is out that is that that maybe reflects their story at home and their family themselves, 
they're also coming out and saying, these are the questions we have, or is this something that we can do? But people bring ideas, too, like in a sense of, like, can... But some of that comes, too, with, like, also uh, my supervisor may need training, or my coworkers may not necessarily accept me who I am. Like, that's what I'm hearing sometimes from some of my colleagues. So there is still a lot that we probably need to continue to do around, like, you know, um, because not everyone feels like they could be out. That's and, right. and, and And not everyone needs to be out. That's because right. I think people can choose wherever. You know, I think sometimes people choose to be out in the workplace, and that's not necessarily something people want to do. And that's right. It's really up to the individual. Well, let me just say, um, Secretary Quintero, um, it has been lovely having you on. And, of course, I, I hope you know that just by showing up every day, just by sh- being who you are, being your authentic self, you are changing lives. And what we want to make sure uh, of is that while you may be the first, you certainly we don't want you to be the last. Right. And both I know Julio and I have been in those kinds of positions where we've had to be the first and sometimes the only. Mm-hmm. And so just thank you so much for um, for being willing to to be a leader in this space. Um, as you said, there's lots of work to do and you are going to have a, a lot of support. I hope you know that that certainly Julio and I will continue to support you and there are many, many others who will uh, support you as well. And we wanted to say good luck as you um, move down this uh, new path and and uh, new adventure. See sí, mi amor. Un abrazo. Tenga buen día. And, and Mary and, and Julio, I just really want to thank you for also being that support because we do need to continue to have that support. Uh, because that's, that's really what it takes. So I, I thank you for also being trailblazers to, for, for, peop, for, for community, for someone like me to actually have this opportunity. Well, thank you, and we're wishing you a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for giving up some of your Sunday with <laughs> us. You. We know it's precious time, uh, but best of luck, and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Wow, incredible. Incredible. Uh, You're listening to Living Out Loud. We're going to take a short break. I'm here today with Julio Rodriguez, and we're back in a moment. This is Gina Yashua, comedian extraordinaire. And when I'm in Chicago, I like to hang out with my good friend, Mary Morton, on her fantastic show, Living Out Loud, on WCPT. So listen. So listen. You heard Gina. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You are listening to Living Out Loud on WCPT, 820 AM. I am here with Julio Rodriguez and... I just want to take a moment and mention that today's music um, is from Craig Loftus um, via Laura Branch. And Laura Branch will be co-hosting next week. And we're going to be playing a lot of house music. 
However, right now, we want to take a moment and let's focus a little bit more on some of the work of Alma. There's an event coming up on Thursday. Yep. And we did not mention this when um, Secretary Quintero was on. However, they will be receiving an award. So tell us about the event, why this is important. It's the second year you've done this. Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, so... Um this is the second year because we hired our first executive director last Yay! year. So that's was, a big deal, yeah, so, huge deal. Yes, Manuel Hernandez, and um, we were. He's been amazing, but we. It was really his coming out party, if you will, yes. last year. Mm-hmm. And then we. Had, it was so successful that we decided we wanted to continue to have these sort of community events to really just recognize different folks in our community that are doing amazing work and doing. Quintero is going to be our, she's going to be the first recipient of the Alma Soul Award of Leadership. And so the Alma, Alma. Alma Soul Award. Okay. Because Alma in Spanish actually means soul. Ah, so it's okay. the Soul Leadership Award. Nice. Because okay. as, as you heard, she really has the soul of our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she demonstrates that through her work. And that's really what we're looking to do. The other thing that, um, we're trying to do with Alma is really we're sort of in a pivotal place actually during the COVID um, sort of shutdown it gave us the ability to really expand our reach and so we were able to do a number of things but one of the things that we were really proud of is we actually created a documentary that was really um taking stories of people who, in particular, transgender and non-binary folks and people who had been impacted by COVID, who, unlike what happened with HIV-AIDS, many of those stories were lost because the focus was so much on one community. That's right. And so we wanted to be sure that not only did we document but that we really told stories of the folks that were the most impacted and really trans folks and non-binary folks and people who were essential workers, people who didn't have a choice about whether they went to work or didn't go to work. We really wanted to make sure that we told their stories and we worked with um, the Chicago History Museum Mm -hmm. and we worked with other groups. uh, uh, Soapbox Productions helped put the film together. I want to do a shout out to Manny Garcia because he really was the sort of child to the documentary. The documentary is called Sigimos Aquí, which means we're still here. And you can go to the Alma website at almachicago.org and you can actually see the documentary now. It's live. We actually fund four awards. Wow. Uh, at film festivals around the country. Yeah, we were one in New York, in Houston. I can't remember the other two. But All places, too, I think, where it's really important that this documentary is seen, right? Because right. we know that the reason uh, why AIDS has not flattened out in um, black and brown communities as it has in white communities is around stigma, yeah. right, and racism. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, and COVID yes. really demonstrated how little we learned. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, HIV and AIDS may have struck them in the, a prominent community, but as it moved and as it continued, it went into communities of color and then the story changed. The interest changed. That's right. And the resources changed. COVID was the same thing where rather than the resources going to the folks that we knew or should have known, we waited till it became a crisis. Right. And, you know, we had many uh, members of Alma who, you know, were essential workers. They were either nurses. They were people who worked in restaurants and hotels. Yeah, hotels Mm -hmm. in which they didn't get a choice. The choice was. You don't come in, you don't have a job. That's right. And so, you know, going back to my earlier point about economic stability, we had a trans woman who had a show. She would, she was very successful on, you know, the circuit. Um, and she was being told that if you don't come to my house party and perform, even though she would take a risk, then she would not be get hired, you know. And so, but to her credit, she pivoted and created an online show that's now carried around Latin America. <laughs> there's she, a will, there's, there's a, a way. way. And so yes. the documentary really speaks to not just our overcoming, but our perseverance and our ability to pivot and take control of our own lives. And I think that's one of the things about Alma's work is we're really trying to grave, create a platform for the kind of not only the issues that are affecting our community, but what we can do to really make real change and sustain change and identify those leaders like Dursay who've done the work 
And now she can do the work in a way that will actually impact millions. And change systems. And change At the systems. end of the day, that's what we have to do, right? right? We have to change exactly. systems so that people will, uh, one, know that the, the support uh, exists and that they can take advantage of it. Because that's the other uh, piece of this, that people may not know about these opportunities. Uh, and then if they do know about them, they don't. They, they can't access them. Yes, exactly. And actually, the migrant situation right now yes. is another example. We've mm-hmm. been called by a number of aldermen who are saying that they're hearing stories of bullying in the shelters yes. or people, you know, basically being told, we don't want you here. We have small children, so we don't want your kind of people here. And, and that discrimination and the, the bias, bias mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, just the exploitation. You know, we know that particularly in the trans community where particularly trans women and Latina, you know, it's very easy to then, you know, know that they don't have many options and force them into the sex trade. Um, and we're already hearing, you know, signs of that. We're also seeing a lot of, you know, young gay men who are being exposed to monkeypox and other things because they have no idea of what's in the environment. Right. Or they're being exploited by folks who are saying, oh, I'm going to take you in, but... Exactly. Then I get tired of you. Exactly. That's right. Out. And if I take you in, there's something I'm going to expect from you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so these issues that we know are always present. Um, but for a community that's already experienced so much trauma, we have to get there. We have to get to those shelters and we have to provide some kind of support. And so we're working with the state, actually, and with the city to try to figure out what are some things that we can do that, uh, one, keep people safe in those shelters, right? but also provides them with information so that they can at least figure out where they can get the resources that right. they need. What are the options, right? right. Just exactly. to even know about the opportunities yes. is a major, major win. So what do you see uh, down the road for uh, Alma as we... Yeah, so we are actually... Um, we sort of are looking at housing, uh-huh. immigration, mm. we're looking at health care access, mm-hmm. and then we're really looking at how do we continue to really focus on that intersectionality, whether it's through the arts, whether it's through politics, whether it's through um, education. How do we continue to make sure that we're talking about our full selves and not isolating ourselves to just one aspect of our community? And that's that's really key, right, as we think about uh, what's, what's next, is how do we, to your point, as we were talking to uh, the secretary, how do we continue to be our authentic selves. How do how do we show up right yeah. in a way yeah. um, that is meaningful? And it's groups like Alma, um, groups like Affinity, right? Um, and of course, I, I miss and will forever uh, think, um, you know, just incredible thoughts about Amigas Latinas, yes, yes. right? We we yes. lots of work for so many years, and we know there's much more work to do. Um, I'm going to hang in here, as I know you are. That's (laughs) right. And continue to support uh, folks who are doing the work and doing it maybe in a different way than we did it. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. Uh, But there's a lot of work to do. Um, I have so enjoyed having you here today. Um, My goodness, you know, you you didn't tease me, which I thought for sure was going to happen. I know the moment the mic goes off, that'll happen. Uh, But I had had two more minutes. No, no, no. no, We're wrapping now. (laughs) Uh, But wanted to say thank you for all your work for so many years. Uh, I will be there on Thursday on, uh, at the um, event, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the secretary receive their award, and I'm looking forward to continuing to support Alma and and you uh, in any way that I can. So thanks to Devin, our board operator. Um, next week, as I said, Laura Branch will be here, and it is going to be house music. Okay, seriously. Let's get down, baby. <laughs> yes. But thank you all for listening. This yes. is Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton. Until next time. Thank you, Mary. Ha, ha, ha.